Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Supreme Court has overturned Roe versus Wade, the abortion rights ruling. Across the country, abortion is a top driver for Democrats, but not the overall electorate. You don't care if people die. You don't care if people die. In the aftermath of Roe getting overturned, there was this shock, both for the people who knew it was coming and for the people who didn't. Some states banned abortion immediately. Some took a bit longer. Others didn't at all. And we're still very much figuring out what this means for the months and years ahead. So today on VNR, we're talking to a reporter advice who has been relentless in her coverage of this cataclysmic change. I'm Ariel Zimros, and today on the show, we have... Carter Sherman, senior reporter for Vice News. And this is Vice News Reports. So, Carter, how you doing? I am all right. It's been a crazy time. So, Roe was overturned in June 2022. Now it's January 2023. What is the state of access to abortion in the U.S.? So, I've been continuing to follow abortion in the last six months or so since Roe was overturned in June. Ahead of Roe's overturning, at least 13 states implemented what are known as trigger laws. These are laws that were meant to be triggered by the fall of Roe and ban abortion in almost all circumstances. But that turned out to be a bit more complex than it might have sounded. Essentially, a lot of these bans had sort of logistical or legal mechanisms that had to be triggered in order for those bans to take effect. For example, in Texas, there was a trigger ban that had to be triggered by what's known as the judgment of the Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs. And the judgment technically comes out about a month after the real decision. Texas, as I think we all know, is a very anti-abortion state, and its politicians very much wanted to ban abortion as much as and as soon as they could. But they legally could not actually implement their trigger ban until after that judgment came out. Just as a reminder, Dobbs is the name of the case that overturned Roe. Right. It's Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, which is the name of the abortion clinic that sued over the Mississippi law that led to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Okay, so Texas doesn't get to do it immediately. There are some technicalities there. What else did we see happen? I mean, the somewhat other ridiculous development that came about was that before Roe was overturned, anti-abortion politicians wanted to ban and restrict abortion so much that they ended up passing all of these laws that ended up sort of conflicting with one another. So you have a situation like in Louisiana where there were three separate trigger bans and abortion rights supporters were not sure which ones they were supposed to be following. There's been a lot of back and forth on whether or not abortion is legal here in the state of Louisiana. Now, my- 
they actually took that and used that to their advantage. A new ruling out Thursday allows clinics in Louisiana to continue providing abortions while lawsuits challenging the state's near total ban is resolved. They sued over that confusion and said, we don't know what we're supposed to do. This is unconstitutional. And they used that to temporarily restore abortion access in Louisiana. And these abortion bans, not only, you know, do you have a different number of states that have them in place at any given time, but they also come in different shapes and sizes, right? Like some start at conception. Others don't have exceptions for rape or incest. Like they're, these are not the same laws across the board. Right. If it's confusing for professional journalists to follow, imagine how confusing it is for abortion patients. So what we're talking about is what happened immediately before Roe was overturned and some weeks after that, too. But what happened in the months that followed? When Roe was overturned in June, everybody immediately started looking towards the midterms because there was such a response to Roe's overturning that many people predicted that it would have a huge impact on the elections. And it did. For years, for all the time that I have been covering abortion, abortion has kind of been an afterthought for American voters, and we started to see that change. The first sign that we had that abortion was going to matter quite a bit in the midterms came in August in Kansas. In conservative Kansas, an unlikely victory for abortion rights. Kansas has abortion protections in its state constitution. And there was a ballot measure that came about that wanted to strip those protections out of the state constitution. Voters turned out in droves with numbers on par with a general election. But Kansas voters wanted to keep them, and they voted in overwhelming numbers to protect abortion rights. Kansas is in the very middle of the country, as we all know. It is the place that conservatives like to say is real America, and yet they supported abortion rights. In October, Vice News actually conducted a poll, and we found that half of women between the ages of 18 and 29 say that abortion would matter to them in the midterms. Less than a quarter of men said the same thing. Flash forward to November. Abortion is on the ballot this November, not just figuratively. People in Michigan will be able to vote on whether it should remain legal. In Michigan, a very purple state, a ballot initiative to enshrine abortion rights in the state constitution. Voters voted in favor of doing that. Then over in deep red Kentucky, home of Senator Mitch McConnell. Supporters and opponents are spending millions to sway Kentucky voters. It's all over Amendment 2, which would change Kentucky's constitution. Abortion is already banned in Kentucky, and voters weren't deciding whether or not to add abortion rights to their state constitution. I think it's kind of an open question how that vote would have gone. But Kentucky voters did vote in favor of not changing the status of abortion in their state constitution. All that leads me to the most recent reporting that I did in December, which was about a teenager who was raped and wanted an abortion. This teenager lives in Mississippi, where technically someone can still get an abortion if they've been raped. But this teenager, even though she had a legal right to an abortion, could not get one. Wow. Ahead of Rose overturning, there was just one abortion clinic left in Mississippi. And when Mississippi banned abortion, that clinic could not stay open. So it closed. So even though the teenager could have legally gotten an abortion in her state, there was literally no one who could perform it. 
She started looking around, trying to see if there were other places in surrounding states where she could get an abortion, like in Louisiana, which is right next door to Mississippi. And the abortion clinics in that state had also closed because there's an abortion ban in Louisiana. So what she ended up having to do was go up to Illinois to get an abortion. So basically what you're telling me is that in this instance, even though this case should be exempted from the ban, that exception is basically a sham. Yeah. In reporting this, experts told me that rape and incest exceptions rarely work in real life. And some of these exceptions have requirements that you have to report your sexual assault to law enforcement. And we know that rape and incest are extremely underreported crimes. That is a very notorious fact about rape and incest. Right. Already the threshold, you know, the various hoops that you have to jump through are, are so hard. But then you add on the fact that there are no clinics. And so even if you've done the thing, even if you've reported this terrible thing, you, you're, you're still shit out of luck. Yeah, it's just not financially feasible for clinics to stay open in these states with bans. I think people forget that at the end of the day, abortion clinics are businesses and they need to be bringing in money. The other thing that's really important to know is that even as we're having this conversation about rape and incest exceptions is they're kind of an endangered species at this point. Practically all of the South have zero exceptions for rape and incest in their abortion bans. Many abortion opponents have been very straightforward about the fact that they think even in cases of rape and incest, that fetus is a life and it deserves to live. And so that's how we end up here, to make the bar for accessing abortion so high that even folks who are supposedly exempt from these bans in certain states can't get them at all or can't get them easily and quickly. Like, I think in the case of of pregnant people who need abortions because the pregnancy is life-threatening, that's also what we're seeing, right? Yeah, I talked to someone who was in that exact situation. That's after the break. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Carter, before the break, you were starting to tell me about this woman you talked to who needed an abortion because of life-threatening circumstances. Tell me more. Yeah, there was a woman in Texas who is a mother, and she wanted to get pregnant again. And she got pregnant with twins. 
And what she found out was that one of the fetuses seemed to have a very rare chromosomal disorder that is basically also a guaranteed death sentence. It's called trisomy 18. That woman lives in Texas. And in Texas, almost all abortions are banned thanks to this trio of overlapping abortion bans. So this woman was left with three options. She could wait for the pregnancy to end naturally. She could wait until she was so close to death that her doctors would be able to legally end the pregnancy. Or she could leave Texas and undergo a procedure that is known as a single twin reduction in a state where abortion isn't banned. Through that procedure, she would be able to abort one of the fetuses but continue carrying the other twin, the one that didn't have trisomy 18. And would that be safer? That was the thinking. Okay. It would be safer for both her and it would be safer for the other twin. So she would end up still being able to have this baby that she desperately wanted. Okay. So this woman, she booked an abortion in Colorado, which is now one of the most abortion-friendly states in the country. And she traveled there at a cost of nearly $3,000. Now, this woman, and, and she acknowledges to me, she has money, she has time, it was not difficult for her to travel on very short notice, and she had a supportive family who could help her navigate this very logistically and emotionally difficult time. She actually gave me her pregnancy journal that she was keeping throughout the entirety of her pregnancy up through the abortion, and you could just see the total pain on the page in the way that she really, really would have loved to have twins. Wow. Yeah. Um, the bar for accessing something that treatment that could be life saving, right, is so high right now, even for somebody with this much privilege. That's what I'm getting from this story. I think that is accurate. I think that's really, really a scary prospect for a lot of people who have much less privilege than this woman did. Okay, so we've just talked about two examples of people who fall within some of these exceptions that we've been talking about, right? But that's not the case for most people, right? Can you give me the big picture of what's been going on with abortion generally in the U.S.? So one way to kind of get an idea of what's been going on is to look at this organization called Aid Access. Aid Access mails abortion-inducing pills to people in the United States so they can, quote-unquote, self-manage their own abortion at home. This process is widely considered safe by medical professionals if you do it early on enough in pregnancy. Before Roe was overturned, Aid Access received an average of 82 requests per day. And now after Roe, the average number of daily requests has shot up to 214. And we're seeing the biggest leaps in requests from people in Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas, Alabama, Oklahoma, all states that have outlawed most abortions. And part of what's happening here is that we don't really know as much about abortion as we would had it stayed legal because it's retreating further into the shadows of American life. So this data from Aid Access, it's really only a snapshot of this rapidly shifting landscape. Right. But from that snapshot, we can see that there's already a huge shift. We can. We can see that it looks like more people are interested in self-managing their own abortions. We can also see that people are continuing to have abortions, presumably if they followed through on, on taking these pills. You know, I think that there is this idea that if you ban abortion, it will stop happening. And I don't think we've ever seen that occur in all of human history. What about birth control? You know, we reported on the show about how birth control is sort of the next frontier here. What's going on there? 
When the Supreme Court overturned Roe, Justice Clarence Thomas wrote this concurring opinion that a lot of people have pointed to as a sign of things to come. Specifically, before Roe, there were these two decisions, Griswold v. Connecticut and Eisenstadt v. Baird, that expanded the right to birth control. In his concurring opinion, Thomas called for the justices to take another look at Griswold, which means that the Supreme Court could end up trying to overturn the right to birth control. (laughs) Okay. It is also important to note, though, and I think a lot of people don't realize this, is that state lawmakers don't have to wait for Griswold to be overturned to ban birth control. A lot of people think incorrectly that some forms of hormonal birth control or emergency contraception cause abortions, which they do not. But if a state lawmaker introduces a law that labels some form of birth control as abortion-inducing, and they already live in a state where abortion is banned, then they could potentially successfully ban that form of birth control. It wouldn't be scientifically accurate, of course, but I think in battles between science and politics, science doesn't often win. Okay. <laughs> I I find that so upsetting. So wait, so a politician could just decide unilaterally, forget the science, that some forms of birth control are equal abortion. Like, that's a thing that could actually happen. It could conceivably happen. It would, I'm sure, lead to legal challenges and it would become a big fight. But yeah, that could be the future we're looking at very soon. Okay, so a lot of what you told me so far had been predicted by advocates and experts who'd been following the movement to ban abortion for years. Are there things that folks expected to happen that didn't or that haven't happened yet? Yeah. Before Roe's overturning, experts estimated that up to 26 states would end up banning abortion. We haven't seen that happen yet. Plus, there are some states where abortion has been banned, but there's some kind of court battle going on that keeps the ban from going into effect fully. I think people need to know, though, a bunch of state legislatures are planning on going back to work. When Roe was overturned in June, many of those state legislatures had ended business for the year. So when those state lawmakers go back to work, they could end up trying to pass more abortion bans or restrictions in states where we haven't even seen any action on abortion yet. Some of those states that are expected to ban abortion could be taking action to outlaw the procedure within the next few weeks. So far, we've focused a lot on the people who are seeking abortions. But providers are also deeply affected by this. Carter, what's going on for providers? Since Roe's overturning, Countless doctors have confronted abortion bans that, they told me, have forced them to defy medical guidelines and their oath to do no harm. In states where abortion has been banned, hospitals can no longer teach the next generation of doctors how to perform abortions. I know that we have all of these, like, immediate and horrifying issues to deal with when it comes to Roe getting overturned. People need care right now, and they're really having trouble accessing that care. But this doctor issue feels like the kind of change that's going to completely alter medicine in the U.S. Has anyone figured out a way to make sure that doctors can get this very basic knowledge? That is exactly what doctors are trying to figure out right now. The overturning of Roe has basically just created a sea change in the way that doctors are going to get trained in providing this procedure. But, you know, we talk about the impact of the anti-abortion movement and dedicated anti-abortion activists quite a bit. But 
institutionalized apathy and aversion to abortion has also done quite a bit of damage to access to the procedure. In 2017, 95% of all abortions were performed in clinics. And that is because mainstream medical institutions have largely siloed abortion just out of hospitals entirely. The body that accredits residencies agreed to make abortion training mandatory for OBGYNs. But what's happened since Roe was overturned is now that accrediting body has said, okay, OBGYNs, you still need to get residency training in abortion, but if you live in a state where abortion is banned, you are going to have to travel out of state for that training. And thanks to those centuries of mainstream medical institutions trying to ignore abortion as best as they could, there's just not a lot of places where people can get trained. So what you're telling me is that the landscape for residents wanting to be trained, like it, it's far more complicated than just, hey, you can get this training in a state where it's not banned. Right, because it's extremely difficult to pick up a bunch of residents and move them across state lines to get that training. Huh. And I talked to some residents, say, here in New York City, which is a place where you would expect it would be very easy to get training. And one of them told me that they felt that there is less training available than ever. So no matter what, things are getting harder for residents and there's a lot of pressure on everyone all around. Yes, there's pressure from every side. And I think that this is not pressure that's going to relent anytime soon. Right. So we've covered a lot of ground today, Carter. Clearly, you know, this is just a a very good example of all the work that you've been doing. But, you know, to kind of summarize things, broad strokes, what can we expect to see happen this year? This year, we can definitely expect to see the legal landscape of abortion shift again. Abortion has very rarely been at the top of voters' priorities, but the Supreme Court decision has radically rewritten the playbook on abortion. In the coming years, there's going to be this continued fight over ballot measures over abortion, and we're likely going to see more of them. But ballot measures alone are not going to be enough to protect abortion access. Carter, thank you so much for coming on the show, for explaining all of this to us, and you really broke things down for us. So thank you so much. Thank you. Last week, the Food and Drug Administration gave pharmacies the ability to sell an abortion medication called misoprostol to patients with a prescription. While the new rule does make access to this drug a little bit easier if you're in a state without an abortion ban, the regulatory change doesn't necessarily mean equal access for all. Some states obviously already have abortion bans, and certain states even specifically target this drug. 
This story was reported by Carter Sherman and produced by Adriana Rodriguez and Stephanie Kariuki. Vice News Reports is produced by Sam Egan, Sophie Kazis, Adriana Rodriguez, and Adriana Tapia. Our senior producers are Jesse Alejandro Cutrol, Janice Yamoka, and Julia Nutter. Our supervising producer is Ashley Cleek. Our associate producer is Steph Brown. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone, Pran Bandy, and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producers are Adiza Egan and Stephanie Kariuki. For Vice Audio, Annie Aviles is our executive editor, and Janet Lee is our senior production manager. Charles Raggio is the head of Vice Audio. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. I'm Ariel Zimros. I know podcast hosts say this all the time, and I say it all the time, but it's a new year. So how about maybe if you have some time, you take a little bit of that time to review the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It really does help other people find the show. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week. 